be with you in a minute. You found those times of discussions really, really helpful, and find them as much as encouraging as in chal- as challenging. That you kind of, my heart's desire is not that you kind of go away from tonight thinking <gasps> I'm a horrible person. My desire is that actually, and I, and all of the students' desire is that actually you go away from this uh, this evening encouraged, uh, go away from this evening wanting to uh, seek God more in your life, wanting to see more of who you are because of God and being able to feel empowered to be able to be the man and woman of God that God has called you to be and that he has given us the power to be able to do that. So, two verses. You must be thinking, oh, it's a bit of an easy preach kind of thing. He's been a bit lazy. I was going to do the whole, I was going to do the whole chapter, which we might have been here for longer than about 10, 15 minutes that I put on the timetable. But actually, as I was kind of uh, thinking about what, what should be the talk, what should be the aspect that pulls all this discussion together, what should, what should the words of encouragement be, I become fixed on uh, the, those first two verses and felt that we didn't need to look at anything wider, deeper than that. The whole of chapter 12 is an exciting, encouraging, challenging book. It, um, I don't know whether you know it that well, but it's kind of... It's I uh, kind of especially in um, this is saying a little bit of testimony, especially in uh, my first year at college and a bit before that. Um, I kind of struggled with depression in the past and uh, for varying reasons. Don't need to go into that. But this chapter and these particular these two verses have really spoken to me and have been that kind of gentle reminder of, of to me what it means to be a Christian, to me what it means to actually to find that freedom in Christ and actually that when I find that freedom in Christ, it's not about me working on my own, it's not about a set of rules and regulations and boxes that I need to tick, but it's about being vulnerable with God and, keep, and not rebelling, but actually keeping my eyes focused on God and not losing sight of who he actually is. Because I think for me... You may be wonderful people and completely unlike me, but for me, it's very easy to lose sight of who God really is. We, t- we sometimes can take him for granted. You know, We can um, be absorbed by the world's view of who God is. And um, don't know whether any of you read it, but the new sci- one of my housemates got the copy of The New Scientist this week. And it's, uh, it's a God issue. It's about kind of... Um, haven't read it yet, it looks really, really interesting, but it's kind of, we can sometimes start to question what we know is true, what we knew was true at the beginning of our relationship, when we decided to accept the gospel for ourselves, what we know to be true about God, we find that the world chips away at that, that we decide to th- listen to science and not truth in God, in God, God's scripture. So, initially, I've Initially, I was going to kind of, you know, what sh- should I look at the verse 12? I kind of I have this habit when I, when I was, uh, I started this habit when I was preparing for sermons to put lots of passages on, on the, on, in front of my desk in my office. And Mark kind of came in and wondered, and it was like, there's about seven passages that I was going to think on. And I was like, oh, I want to encourage you. You know, I could talk about the promises that, that God talks or through scripture. I could start with, Genesis 1, and you know, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? How should that impact us, empower us? 
Um, do we forget that we're made in the image of God? Do we truly understand that as a concept? Or do we just read it and go, that's nice, and maybe accept it for other people, but not accept it for ourselves? And then I thought, well, maybe I could look at Genesis 29, where Jeremiah, like Jeremiah 29, where Jeremiah talks to the, those in exile and reminds them of the promises that God has made them, that they will come to fruition. But as my brain went round and round in circles, I became fixed and sure that God wanted me to talk in Romans 12 and 1. So, very easy, verse at a time. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what does it mean by a spiritual act of worship? What was Paul talking about? What was he what was he really getting at? And as I was kind of reading through that actually has great connection with uh, Jews understanding of temple worship, of the sacrifices that they had to make. They don't need to kind of go off on a whole discussion of the various sacrifices that they had to make and what they represented. But they made whole sacrifices. You can't sacrifice half an animal. It was complete. It, was, it paid what was due. It did what it was meant to do. And do we live lives that are wholly sacrificial? Do, or do we, as maybe come up in, your, in the discussions, do we uh, do trading kind of go, well, I'll sacrifice this God because I feel quite comfortable giving it and that's quite easy? Or do we try and bargain with God in our head and in our thoughts and in our actions? Do we, have we grown in our worship? Have we grown into being uh, bodies of living sacrifices? Because if we're honest with ourselves, our walk with Christ, well, as soon as we become a Christian, everything doesn't get sorted. We, we grow in our understanding of it. Have we seen a progression in, our, in the way that we sacrifice our lives in worship? Do we see our everyday life as an act of worship? Or is it, have we got fixed in our heads and in our minds that worship is just when we stand or sit, when the band is playing, or, or even worship, or the whole service, but when we walk out of the doors, that actually, that doesn't count as worship. Are we prepared to completely and utterly surrender all of who we are for God? Now, for those who were, who were here last week, Alan was talking about um, money and how God made that complete sacrifice. That Jesus didn't just, I think he said, sacrifice an arm or something like that anyway. God, Jesus, fully sacrificed himself on the cross. And that is just, I don't know, I can sometimes, I don't know about you, I can sometimes take that for granted. You know, yeah, yeah, Jesus died on the cross, yeah, you know, didn't really hurt him, actually, didn't really cost him much. No, it cost him everything. And surely if it cost God everything, that he has the right to expect us in our living sacrifice, in our worship, to give everything. Not just the little toe or half a leg or however you want to pictorially put it. He has the right to demand all of us. Yet that's not an easy thing because we live in a world where there are challenges, where we experience things that make us shrink back from the world. I know that I'm a very independent person. This is one of the things that kind of I was showing in our group. And that, 
without realising, maybe I'm a little bit dim, not quite sure, but that independence had impacted not only the way that I related with other people, but the way I related to God. In my, in, I was kind of, I don't know, in my head I was giving all to God, but actually in reality I was holding parts back. I was holding the bits that meant I needed to be really vulnerable with him because I didn't want to because that was going to hurt. But actually when we give ourselves completely to God, actually God can do so much amazing things. And yes, it might be scary, but it's exciting. I've done my usual trick of losing my place in my notes. And by that, I've ended up losing the place in the Bible, sorry. Yeah, so think about this. Think about, you know, are we, are we, am I prepared to kind of live a life holy and sacrificial? Am I prepared to bang the apathy on the head, as James talked about? Am I prepared to see my relationships and see how I relate to other people that needs to be sacrificial. However much the world tells me I need to be doing these things, am I prepared to live a life that is completely and utterly listening to God? Now, I'm not saying, hopefully you're picking up, I'm not saying these things are easy, but if we don't ask these questions, if we don't challenge the, the norm or the, the everyday life in which we've been living, we can go on through our life not 100% being where God wants us to be and missing out on some of the amazingness, not whether I should show you that, but that delight, that privilege, that grace that God pours out into our lives. So verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what is Paul talking about when he's talking about patterns of this world? Is he talking about uh, what we see on TV? Is he talking about what we read in magazines, what we listen to in music? Um, Our friends, the magazines, what is he really talking about? And when we understand that, how are we supposed to filter that? Where are we supposed to uh, gain our guidance from? So, uh, the truth behind what Paul um, is saying, is talking about, is talking about a a Jewish concept of two ages, of the present and the age to come. He's talking about the the now, the at that point in time, and now, just after Jesus' sacrifice, where at that and crucifixion and resurrection, and at that point and now we're living in that same age where we experience some of the end times, some of the full glory of God, where actually um, God empowers us to be able to live in more freedom, live in more of who we really are. But yet the age to come where we live and experience that in the fullness of it, but yet we live in the world now. And so what Paul is... what Paul is talking about, I fa- I'm cheating, I'm quoting now, because I was like, I found, I found a textbook and I was reading through it, and it's like, well, that sounds really good, but I don't know how to word it other ways. 
So this is what he said. He said, Paul is talking about the penetration of the coming age into the present age. So we don't live in... um, We don't live in an age where we cannot experience some of the freedom that Christ gives us. We should be experiencing the freedom that Christ gives us. But we will experience in a fuller, deeper way in Jesus' second coming. Do we want to do that? Do we want to experience that? Yes, that doesn't mean that when we do that, everything will be hunky-dory and life will be easy. But it does mean that we can experience freedom from the things that we struggle with we can experience god's strength in the situations that we find hard we can experience and live in the truth of god's wisdom in those difficult situations where we have to make decisions that are not easy because the 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 world around us is telling us lots and lots of different things and it can be easy to give in to what the world is telling us and switch off from what god is telling us Maybe you sat there thinking, well, you know, how am I going to experience some of that? You know, I could, I could come up with a 10-point plan of, you know, how, what things I need to change and what I need to do in my life. But that's not what God's expecting. In order to find that freedom and to live in that, either that transforming mind, God has given, sent us the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, There are lots of passages that I could go into that talk about the Holy Spirit. But if we're not careful, we can... I've been discussing with some of my students about the Holy Spirit, and it's it's somebody I still don't quite understand. But I know that if if I don't allow God through the Holy Spirit to work in me, actually, I never experience change. I never experience that freedom from the old self, the freedom from seeing the world the way that I used to, to the way that God sees it, the way that God wants to see myself now and see the world now. So, I haven't got a 10-point plan. I haven't got this amazing kind of, you know, this is what you need to do. But it's about working in our relationship with God, asking God, when we find those challenges when we find the struggles against the world and what we see in Scripture and what we know to be true, he, asks, he wants us and desires us that we reach out to the Holy Spirit and reach out to God. Not to hold ourselves back and only give a little bit. To reach out completely and allow God to consume our lives and fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And allows, allow God to excite us, to change us, to move us on. And I think when, you know, I would, I'd love to, hear to be able to hear, stand here and go, it's, you know, it'll all change magically. But it'll probably be step by step. Sometimes when we struggle with stuff, we have to let go of things. And as God, as we do that, the Holy Spirit reveals more and encourages and challenges and allows us to take more of the promises that God has for us. So that when we come to a time where we need to test and approve what God is, God's will is, we're not making it our own strength. We're making it in God, through God's direction. We're encouraged and excited when we see a challenge because we know that we're not doing it on our own. We're doing it with God. We're being empowered by God to make that decision. And that actually, as we grow in freedom to be able to do that, we grow in desire and passion and freedom to be able to want to do that in all areas of our lives. 
Now, I think there's, hopefully, you've got, I mean, it might be, I may be talking to people that kind of, it's kind of like teaching your granny how to suck eggs, that you've all kind of got this sorted and you're all kind of fully living in the freedom, you're all kind of, um, yeah, not struggling with anything. You're all fully allowing God into every area of your life. You're all wanting to and living 100% in an acts of worship for God. But, I may be being presumptuous, but I'm guessing probably isn't the case. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. I mean that's the reality of being a Christian, that we are on a constant journey of renewal and excitement and challenge and change and moving step and step into more and more of God's glory and more and more of God's grace. So, what to do now? At the end of the service, there will be, uh, over there, some people to, to pray with you. But also, uh, we're going to move on to a time of worship, some more songs. But don't feel like you need to do the automated thing of standing up and worshipping. If you want to relax and you want to just think about what I've been saying, thinking about what you came up in your discussions, thinking about what it says in Romans 12, please have complete and utter freedom to be able to do that.